Today's episode is brought to you by Patreon sponsors Brian Bates and Rhonda Corey. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Well, this is a School of Laughs podcast. My name is Rick Roberts. Thanks for being with us today. If you're joining us for the first time, thanks for finding us. However you did that out there in the internet world or you're on your iTunes thing, it's great to be here. This podcast is designed to help people get bigger, better, and more bookable. And it's primarily based for comedians, but I think of a lot of the uh, the topics and advice. Crossover to speakers, artists, independent musicians, that kind of thing. So stick with us if this is your first time listening in and see if there's something in here for you. Today our topic is tough decisions all pro comics make. And I think some of these decisions will also be relevant to those of you that are just starting out or maybe you haven't turned pro yet and gone full time. But a lot of these decisions are little challenges that we face at some point where we've got to kind of make some tough decisions and decide which way to go. So we're going to talk about those here in just a second, but I want to let you know it's going to be a fun podcast today. And I'll, I'll kind of tell you how I handle some of the situations that we address as well. A couple of quick announcements. Uh, one, thanks to the Savage and Starbucks show on Blog Talk Radio for having me last week on Wednesday night to kind of pick my brain and I got to share a lot of fun stuff with them. If you'd like to hear that interview, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can click through to it and download the archive file. Lots of fun and a great show. So they've had a lot of comedians on there. So you might want to go back in the archives and listen to a lot of the other ones as well. Another quick announcement, I have a uh, public show. Again, I've freed myself from the corporate environment to be at Jackson, Ohio on June 17th at the Marquet Theater. It's presented by the Southern Hills Art Council, and the show is at 8 o'clock. And tickets are 15 bucks in advance, $17 day of the show. You can get tickets and more information by calling the Marquet Theater at area code 740-577-3841 or visit the website www.markayjackson.org. That's M-A-R-K-A-Y Jackson.org. And lastly, before we get into the podcast today, if you're in the Nashville area and would like to take the performance class, that is coming up in June on Mondays the 13th, 20th, and 27th between 6 and 8 p.m. And I'm going to do something a little different this time. I've got... Uh, you know, people signed up to take the class for the first time ever. But if you've taken a performance class in the past and you'd like to pop in just one out of the three days and do a little tune-up, get some material out there in front of us and uh, get some feedback, uh, contact me for uh, special rates for previous students who'd like to get a little tune-up in their performance area. So today's topic is tough decisions all pro comics face, and this may be comics of all kinds and artists of all kinds. And I've got about seven different kind of crossroad moments where you reach this point and you have to decide which way to go. And I'm not saying that uh, my advice is the right way or the wrong way. I'm just going to kind of talk it out in case you're at one of these cross points right now. You know, last week we talked about should you quit comedy? And I assume if you're still listening to the podcast that you didn't. And uh, my goal wasn't to make you quit or make you think about quitting. But if you were thinking about it with that podcast, I was hoping to give you some ideas to bounce back and get back in the groove. Same kind of concept with this podcast. Seven tough decisions we all make as we pursue this comedy career. Let's get right into it. The first, and I think this is a tricky one, and when it first happened to me, I know I didn't handle it correctly. So here we go. The first one, 
a club double booked you and you lost the gig. Now, if you're not into comedy long enough to know what double booking is, sometimes you might have contacted a club and said, hey, uh, you know, you line up a date for whatever, June 15th. Then June 15th comes around, you show up at the club, and there's another comic there instead of you. And a club booker looks at you and go, oh, I'm sorry, I totally double booked tonight. I'm sorry, uh, you're not on stage. Now, this has happened once or twice way back in the comedy club days where, um, you know, unfortunately, I show up to the club. The first time I actually showed up to the club and did not know I was double booked which triggered my process from there on out to prevent that from happening. But it's the worst feel in the world, especially if you traveled a good distance to get to that club and you're all fired up, maybe you invited friends to come out and see the show, and then you get there and you're not on it. Now, how does that happen in the first place? Sometimes bookers just don't keep as well uh, recorded records as you would think they would. Uh, sometimes they just go by what's on their mind and and jot it down. Sometimes they forget to jot it down and that date stays open on their calendar or in their system and boom, they book somebody else. They totally forget that they've booked you for that. And that is a tough, tough situation, you know. So uh, here's a couple of tips if you think that could happen to you. And let me tell you, it can happen to everybody out there. Uh, some things you could do to prevent that, all right? So the first, first time I didn't know, I showed up and boom, I didn't want it to happen again. So here's what you do. First, Obviously, always keep your emails anytime you line something up via email with a booking agent. And if you don't, maybe do it over the phone. Shoot them a quick email or a text immediately after just saying, thanks very much for booking me on this date for this amount of money. I look forward to it, and I'll be touching base with you soon before the event to make sure everything's still a go. That way you've got a digital record that you can keep track of, and by doing that, you've sent a digital record into their computer or their phone that they can keep, and as they're scrolling through it, hopefully they'll notice that and put that into their internal calendar at the club, and uh, they don't double book you. So the first thing is to confirm it through an email, even if it didn't come through an email, and if you don't have their email, text if you can. Uh, If you don't have email or text, you may not have a chance of getting booked to that club anyway. So, I mean, if they don't feel comfortable giving you their cell phone or their email, then maybe uh, I would be suspect of that booking anyhow. Anyway, check that out. Make sure you shoot them back some confirmation and then advance the date. You know, this is something that I know drives booking agents crazy is when comics don't touch base leading up to the event and the booking agent thinks, well, maybe they, they're not coming. I haven't heard from them in a year or six months or eight months or however long ago the gig was booked. So advancing is simply touching base I recommend at least two weeks in advance of the date and you say, hey, I'm still looking forward to coming here. I uh, just want to make sure the show time was the same, blah, blah, blah. Just a little touch base so you jog their memory. And if there is a problem, if they have double booked you, they can contact you right away and go, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you touched base. We actually booked somebody else. Uh, let's make up the date right now and put something else on the calendar. And even though it's going to be inconvenient and you've taken a date off of your calendar that was you know, not available to be booked by anybody else, At least you didn't drive and show up somewhere and then be out the gig and the cash uh, on the last minute notice. So it doesn't make it great, but at least it helps you avoid the situation of being double booked. And then, you know, if if you don't get a hold of them within seven days of the event, you know, especially at a comedy club, I would definitely pull up that comedy club calendar, that schedule, see who's on the bill, make sure it's you. If it's not, uh, and I would definitely call the club right away and make sure that you are, are still booked. If you can't get any hold of anybody at the club, like the booker or the manager, look at what comics are working there and give them a call and ask them if they know, or maybe they can grab the, the booker as they're walking by or the manager and say, hey, uh, I just got an email from so-and-so, Rick Roberts. He wants to know if he's still on the 
on the bill next week because I had a hard time getting in touch with you. So a few different ways you can kind of help prevent that from happening to you. And it, it's just like nothing worse than, A, needing that money to support your family <laughs> or make payments on your car that's falling apart, you know, or just showing up there and you've wasted time. You know, and that goes, I guess, I would say this all goes as well for uh, doing guest sets. Like I would want to advance the guest set, make sure that I'm still on the schedule for that because, you know, driving three hours or whatever to do a guest set at a club and then you're not on the list, then you are mad at the club who's never seen you before. And that's a really tough way to get started. So once again, if you're double booked, uh, it's a tough situation. You're out of the gig. You're out of the cash. But advance the date. Have a digital record of the booking and confirmation. That way you will not get double booked or at least not find out at the last minute. Number two tough decision you may face at some point is you booked a date and then as soon as that date got booked, you get a better offer for the same date. So you're in jeopardy of being double booked if you take that second date. So let's talk about that for a second. It's very strange the way the comedy booking thing goes. I know for a fact, <laughs> almost every time I finally get a date on the calendar, lock it in on a Saturday, in the next three days, I get two more calls for that exact same date. I was waiting forever to get a book date on that stupid date, and all of a sudden people calling up like they're giving, giving gigs away, and I've already got it booked. And sometimes the new offer is substantially better than the one I've already got on the books. And it's a tough, tough situation. So how do you handle that? Have, has that happened to you guys listening? How did you handle it? Let me know. First thing I do is ask the new person that's calling, that's got the new date, ask them if their date is flexible at all. Is there any way you can do this the day before, the day after, the week before, the week after? Is there any way that we can schedule me on a different date? You know, if it's a comedy club that calls up, you know, do you have a, a different date? You know, a few months from now, you want to put me in that slot? If it's a corporate event and you've already got something booked, you know, that, that's tough. So let's talk about this for a second. Maybe the date you booked was low paying and far away, you know, 15 hours away. You're doing a one nighter. And probably by the time you get back, even if you sold T-shirts and CDs, you're breaking even at best. And the new gig that just appeared out of nowhere is literally five minutes down the road and it's 10 times the money. That is a tough, tough situation. I won't say there's one correct way to move forward on this, but I'll give you some ideas of how you could potentially take the new date and not anger the person that booked you originally. First thing I would do is uh, ask, like I say, the, the new gig, if they can reschedule that their new date. You know, Tell them, I'm already booked on the 8th. Can you move this to the 15th or the 1st, maybe a, a month later or a week earlier? I'd love to work with you, but I'm not sure that I can get free of this date. And then ask that person to hold on if they can't change the date, say, hold on while I check with my previous obligation and see if they'll let me off the hook and be able to help you out. And as they're letting you do that, first thing you do before even calling the person that already booked you is call two or three comics of the same caliber and see if they're available in case the first engagement will let you out. That way, when you call up you know, Joe Booker, and you say, hey, Joe, I, I know I've got this gig booked with you 15 hours away this, this one-nighter, but I just got a gig called in. It was like, it's right down the road. It's a perfect gig for me. If they're willing to let you have that date, you can immediately say, and just so you know, um, I've got two or three people that would love to jump into my spot if you don't want to make a million phone calls to find somebody and refer those two or three friends to that first engagement. That's called like a handoff or passing the baton gig where you filled the gap, you solve the problem as you call the booking agent that booked you originally, 
and made things easy on them. Now, not everybody's going to be up for that. Some people will be, you know, a contract's a contract, a deal's a deal. So if you try to bail out of this one, I'll never book you again. So you got to know when to pull that out of your hat and when to keep it in there. You know, there are some clubs that take forever, forever to get into. And if you get that initial booking and then call them up later and try to get out of it, you may never, you really, really may never get back in that club. I'll just tell you it's the way it is. So if it's somebody you're familiar with, you have a working relationship, you've worked for them many times and you feel like you could actually ask them to, you know, let you out of it, then go ahead and do that for sure. Now, let's say they do not let you out of it and you have to drive 15 hours for a tenth of the the pay. You call that new booker back, the one who wants you to book, wants to book you but can't, and just let them know, hey, I cannot get out of this original date and I know you can't reschedule it, but guess what? Here are names of three comics that could possibly do this for you. So even though those three comics couldn't fill in for you on the original date, maybe they can fill in for you on the new date and do such a great job that that event or that booking can recur and come back to you later and you'll be able to actually work the new one for that 10x of the original pay of that bad gig and all's not lost. You just had to take it on a different date. When you do that, you may, if you want, ask those comics to cut you a little commission for booking them because you basically just booked them or return the favor. You know, that's t- That tends to be what I do is say, hey, I, I can't do this gig. I know you'll do a great job and they'll have me next year. Just take the gig and hopefully you can throw something my way pretty soon to kind of, you know, pay it back. I don't really demand people pay me back for stuff like that, but I find that when that happens and they do refer me back to another gig, I can trust that person to refer them to the next gig. So it's nice to have a a stable of two or three people at least that you can refer when you can't cover a gig. But overall in this situation, I think the best thing to do is, is honor that first obligation you have, if at all possible, and especially if it's the first time you're trying to get in with that club or that booking agent. The next tough decision or crossroads you might come to in your career is you've seemed to have gotten as far as you possibly can go in the clubs. You've been you've been in it for ten years. You've you've emceed, you've hosted, you middled, you headlined, you headlined on dead weeks in the summer when the state fair was in town and they liked you and they moved you to a busier time of the year. And no matter what you do, it's the same pay and the same five days out of town and, and there's just there's no change. It's a log jam. And I'll be honest, that, that happened to me in the clubs. I got to a point where I could close the show, I could do a strong headlining set, but I just wasn't drawing the amount of people I needed for the club to be excited about having me there. You know, I did what I could. I did some tunes, got on some morning radio shows, stuff like that, and got a little draw in a few different cities, but I just didn't have that breakthrough name recognition that some of the other comics had. So, you know, I was getting the dates that they didn't want to burn with a a good headliner, like the State Fair week, you know, like the big festival week or... Uh, 4th of July weekend or Memorial Day weekend when they didn't want to take a chance on paying somebody big, big money, they would have old Ricky Roberts come in there and do a week. And when I got to that situation, you know, I had a crossroads. What do I do? I got to try to up my profile and become a little more famous, a little more recognizable. I did everything that I could do from where I'm at, and it still didn't make a big, big dent in situation. So my jokes got stronger, my act got better. But to the club, I wasn't bringing more people in than some of the other headliners they were booking, so I wasn't a top priority for them. So I, you know, I kind of switched gears. I looked at the different niches, and that's what I'd recommend to you guys out there. You know, First, obviously, try to make a push to get more name recognition and get some TV time, get some radio, whatever you got to do. Go viral on a video. You know how to do that. You just 
push, you know, push play and record and it's viral. No, it's a lot harder than that. But find something that suits you with the act you have and see if you can step out of the clubs and explore a niche. And by niche, I mean anything that's not at a comedy club. Uh, college market is great if you're a younger act or a, perhaps a musical act or you're just an old guy who can relate to young folks. The colleges pay well and the colleges need entertainment every single year. They have a budget set aside to hire comedians and bands and speakers, all those kinds of things. So if that's in your wheelhouse, I would definitely try to explore the college market. Uh, corporate market, if you're a clean act and you know how to pick the appropriate show for the people in front of you, so not only clean but appropriate material, uh, the corporate niche is a nice one. You know, you can get paid pretty well and don't have to be gone nearly as often, and it might suit you a lot better than just banging your head against the wall in comedy clubs for a while. Cruise ships, not a career move typically, but definitely decent income, and that can fill in some of the weeks. You know, if you only have a couple of clubs that you don't like going to, Maybe take those two off the schedule and book yourself a two-week cruise. Get out there on the water, have some fun, get some sun, eat a lot, or get on the elliptical either way. And uh, stop banging your head. Turn that negative into a positive. You know, fundraisers are a great way. And I've been to fundraisers where some of the comics weren't exactly clean. So if you're listening here and you're like, well, I'm kind of a bluer act. I can never do corporate work. Some fundraisers, and not all, but some are okay with that. And if you advertise it that way on your website that you are a little edgy, a little blue, they're going to know what they're going to get. And if they don't want that, they won't hire you. But something to pursue, fundraisers for different causes. And then private events. You know, uh, occasionally I'll be hired by somebody who you know, runs a company, but they don't, don't want to have a corporate event at the corporate offices. They throw a big picnic out at their place on the lake or something like that, and they'll hire me to come in, hire other comedians or bands. You know, private events are a good way to go as well. So, if you're banging your head against the wall in clubs, you're not making any more money, you're doing the same amount of work or more, and they don't seem to respect you or think that you can draw more people, then that's something you might want to do is look into these different niches. The key, though, with this niche work is you've got to really, really, really love working. It's all off stage, and it's, you know, I spend a good chunk of every week making phone calls, uh, doing all the things I need to do to make myself marketable, you know. Short video clips, high-quality video clips, uh, keep that website up to date, like I say, and, and definitely, definitely more work than uh, just working at the comedy clubs. And that's, that's the nice perk about the comedy clubs is, you know, typically one phone call with the booking and then you show up and you're there for five days and there's not a lot to do besides jump up on stage or do the morning radio to promote the shows. But when you get in these niche markets, you got to keep them coming. So I'm not going to try to mislead you that way, but it's something you can do if you're banging your head in the clubs. Another tough decision or crossroad you may reach is when you're gone more than you want to go. You're out of town more than you want to be out of town, but you still like to work. It's just like, daggone, you're gone all the time. Well, if that's the case, you know, you don't want to be in that situation. It's going to, it's going to break you. It sounds like if you're at that point, you realize something has to change. You know, doing 21-nighters a month, driving all over creation and trying to entertain folks, it'll kill you over time. You're going to give up everything just so those people can have a good time. And if you are traveling that much, it might be a sign that, hey, either A, you can only get one-nighters, or B, you might need to start asking for more money. So think about that. If you're gone all month long and you're just you're barely scraping by, then definitely at some point you need to make more money while you're out there. Uh, first thing, obviously, that comes to mind is create better merchandise to sell after the show or experiment with the price of your current merchandise to see if there's a sweet spot where everybody agrees, you know, 15 bucks for that shirt is much more doable than 20. 
and you might sell more and have to order more and reorder more, but in the long run, you're making more uh, on those purchases and bringing home a little bit more cash. You won't have to be gone as often. Another thing you can do on the road is look at your downtime and see what skills you have and what you can use. Um, Paulina, we've talked about her on the podcast several times. She freelance writes articles, and she had some stuff published in some uh, some of the top newspapers in the country in the past two months, I think two different articles. So, uh, you know, you get paid for that. I don't know what it is, but it's more than not writing. So look at freelance writing opportunities. If you're a comedian, you should be able to put pen to paper and be creative, cover some topics. And then, of course, I guess if all else fails and you're out there on the road and you get a reliable, decent vehicle, you might be able to do some Uber and Lyft driving if you want to do that kind of thing. And I guess if you're licensed to work in that state where you're doing your gigs, but take some of that downtime and turn it into dollars. You know, when I was on the road doing comedy clubs, I spent a lot of time not being focused in those days. And I look back thinking, man, that that was a solid decade and a half almost of just every comedy club that I was going to. I had downtime and I, I would write, I would do some things, but I wasn't as always productive as possible. So if you are, blessed with the opportunity to have some free time, uh, make something out of it, you know, and maybe you won't have to be gone nearly as much. So let's talk about that money thing for a second. Here's another crossroad you get to where you're not earning what you think you deserve. You think your act is this, but it's bringing in that and it doesn't make you happy and it's frustrating. And sometimes you see other comics whose act is like that, but they're getting paid this and you get a little jealous and greedy, or you just think, man, I am not valued. So what happens? I know people listening. I know some of you are in this spot right now, and I think every artist is at some point. You do it because you love it, but at some point when you go full-time, it is your career, it is your income, and you've kind of got to earn what you deserve. Now, the first thing to see is, are you actually as good or as valuable as you think you are? So how do you do that? Because comedy is subjective. first thing I would do is look at the people who I think are similar to me, people kind of in the same vein. They've done it for the same amount of time. They seem to get about the same kind of laughs and the same opportunities. Look at all their promo. Go to their website first. Does their website look better than yours? Well, boom, you know what you got to do. Look at their videos. Are their videos better and more professionally produced or at least decent quality and high-quality audio video? If that's the case, you know what you got to do. If your marketing materials in general Don't stack up to the people that you're trying to get work against, then you're not going to be picked for that work. And so you're going to be looked at as a a secondary option, kind of a last last call comic. You know, I I try to get these three people. They were the top of the list. I'm going to call this person down here. And, you know, their website doesn't look that great. So I'm probably going to offer them a little less money because they haven't invested in their career. Like my first two or three options that weren't available because they're so good they got booked. You know what I'm saying? Sounds like tough love here, but sometimes you're just not what you think you are. And, you know, ask your fellow comics, ask some booking agents, ask the club managers, you know, where do you see me? What if you had to summarize my skill set and my ability and my act in a few sentences, how would you describe it? And then listen back and they may say something so revealing. You're like, oh, whoa, thank you so much for that information. I need to make a change right there. I had no idea. A lot of times they're not going to tell you any of those things unless you ask because they don't want to anger you or, you know upset the boat or rock the boat or whatever you say, but they, uh, they have an opinion. And if their opinion is more accurate than your opinion of yourself, that's why you're not getting the money that you think you deserve. Uh, another thing you might want to consider is, you know, look the part that you want to be paid. A lot of comics, me included for a good chunk of time, pretty casual on stage, 
same jeans all week or rotating the black pair and the, the blue pair, you know what I mean? Maybe freshen them up with a little Febreze and some iron, but you just look on stage like you rolled out of bed, you get that old wrinkled up shirt, your hair's not clean, you know, not shaven. People aren't going to offer somebody that looks like they don't care about money, money. I just think that's true. So it's not to say you have to go out there and, and mack it out and have big, uh, you know, clock around your neck on a gold chain or something like that to show them that you got money, but look decent, look preventable, you know, insider quick tip that we've talked about before is always try to dress one level above your audience. So they look like they paid to see somebody instead of dressing a level below them where they look better than you. Another thing that might be occurring though, that you may not be aware of and you need to get tuned in with is when you get these opportunities to book better gigs and they fall through, it could be because your communication skills are just bad. You may not be able to get on the phone and and talk to somebody in a professional way that they expect or that they have at least heard from the two other comedians ahead of you that they called uh, before they called you. So ask again, friends, family, bookers, managers, anybody, ask a stranger, you know, do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? Because I'm telling you, man, some sometimes and I get phone calls for people that want to take the comedy class and I wonder, do they really want to do comedy? Because they barely put any effort into thinking about what they were saying on the phone. I get emails that there's no capitalization in the entire email. They are, you know, incorrectly spelled words. And listen, I'm not the best speller, but I can just click the button and spell check real quick. When you're communicating with people who want to pay you, they kind of respect the fact that you take the time to respond clearly, coherently, professionally, and uh, your punctuation, your communication is all up to par. Because uh, if they hear in your phone message you being loose and slangy, uh, that's their first impression. You know, if you reply to them quickly with an email, misspell 15 things, their impression is that you really aren't on the ball. So look at that. That that may be a major factor with a lot of folks not getting better work is they just don't come off as somebody that can handle the work when it's given to them. And ultimately, when somebody hires you for a gig, the it all reflects back on them. So if you do poorly, it's not just you. It's the reputation of the person that booked you. So think about that. If it's a phone skill thing, you know, I'm not the best on the phone, but I try so hard to listen clearly and be confident when I respond to somebody. You know, somebody calls me about a show and like, you know, they explain the event and they explain who's attending and all the different factors. And they ask me if I think I can handle that kind of show. You want to be confident. I tell them, yes, that's exactly the kind of shows I do. I do 50 of those kinds of shows a year. You're in good hands. I've got 25 years of experience. I guarantee my show money back if you're not happy because this is a gig that is custom built for me. That's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear, you know, I can do that kind of gig. I can do any kind of gig. Whatever you want to throw at me, I can do it. You know, respond back clearly, confidently, and respectfully. You know, you don't want to be aggressive. You don't want to bully them for cash. You don't want to bully them to change the event just to suit you. Uh, you obviously want to have a, an event that's set up well and that is conducive to comedy, but also they're asking you to come into what they've already got planned. So if that's not something you can do, I respectfully decline. You know, I've done that several times this year, college events especially, and a couple of things with some younger audiences that I'm, I'm just not built for. And they really wanted me to do the show. And I'm like, listen, I, I really... I'm thankful that you asked me to do it, but this is not my audience. And after the show, we're both going to look at each other like, why did we just do that? So know what you can take on. And if it's something you can be confident in your response. The last part of this little uh, crossroads, if you're not making the money you think you deserve, look at how long it took you to respond to somebody when they ask you if you could do a gig. If you're fortunate enough where the emails are coming through or the phone calls, 
I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to agents and bookers, speakers bureaus, who say people don't get back to them even within a day or two sometimes. A day or two sometimes. Listen, if somebody contacts you for a gig, if you're too busy, call them right back and say, hey, I'm really busy, but I'd like to get back to you. What's the lowdown on this situation? Of course, you wouldn't use those words because that doesn't sound like you're professional. (laughs) But yeah, what's the DL on this? No, you definitely want to respond and say, hey, uh, I'm on a flight right now. This has happened. I've been on a flight, and I really want to call a person before I discuss price or anything. But I say, I'm on a flight. I'll land in 45 minutes, and I'll be happy to pick up the phone and give you a call as soon as I touch base. Just get back to them. The quicker you get back to them, the less they're thinking about calling somebody else, and the less they think of you um, not wanting the gig. You know, Seriously, if you're not getting back to them, it's a lack of respect. So uh, get back. All right, enough on that. The sixth crossroad you may face as you pursue stand-up comedy is where the road has flat-out destroyed your health. Let's talk about that for a second. If you are on the road performing, whether you're in a band, I know a lot of you know public speakers, motivational speakers that are on the road like a band or like a comic, and all of a sudden, boom, you wake up one day, your cholesterol is through the roof, uh, you're, you've got more weight on you than you want, uh, you're breathing hard, just climbing up the steps, and you, maybe you don't look right, you're not sleeping right. Man, that's a situation where all of a sudden comedy is not working for you anymore. I'm not going to say you should quit like last week, but I got to say if you want to continue to perform and continue to get gigs and continue to be somebody that people can look at as being trustworthy and you know responsible, get that health under control. Uh, I can't tell you how many times when I was on the road, comedy clubs especially, but even after that, just doing corporate events, traveling around. Sometimes I was overbooking myself to where I didn't have enough downtime to recoup before the next gig. I'd lose my voice. I'd be irritable. Uh, I had one gig about a year and a half ago where, you know, the night before I only had a couple hours sleep, then I had a five-hour drive. Then I did one show, and they wanted to add a second show on short notice, and the second show crowd was not the best crowd for me, and I pretty much snapped on them. had, I think, somewhere between a panic attack and uh, just an all-out rage and uh, that was not good. And I could have avoided that by booking myself a little less than or having more spare time when I got to the gig to relax or had a better rest the night before, which was all on me. So when your health is out of control, you got to start uh, reining that back in. You know, one thing that's easy to do at clubs, and I did it for a long time, was uh, eat club food because it's free. But man, after the 20th day of cheese sticks and pizza nachos and all that stuff, uh, your arteries are screaming. So one thing I started to do was if I ate at the comedy club, the only thing I could give myself to order was chicken, grilled chicken, or a salad, or a grilled chicken salad on a good day at a good club. But I made those conscious decisions not to go in the club, start eating nachos at 11.30, and hate myself in the morning for doing it. Of course, any of the the substances, if you can't handle them, and they've got your – you know they've got you under control as a, as opposed to you controlling them. That's something you got to look at. If uh, if you're showing up having too many drinks before the show even starts, and then more after, and it starts to affect your health, uh, you need to rein that in. You know I'm not saying you can't drink. I'm not in charge of anybody, but if it's affecting your livelihood, your health on the road, you might want to take a look at it before it's too late. Same for any other stuff that you might be getting into out there. So. The road can definitely flat out destroy you. It can also affect you physically in some ways that are, are not in consumption, like uh, drinking or smoking or those things. But just, man, the time in the vehicle. I had a period of time where I was driving so much in the old Toyota Corolla days 
that my back was kind of going out on me on a regular basis. So I had to look at ways to upgrade my vehicle and shorten my drives and started flying places, probably some places that many comics would just decide to drive to. It was better for me health-wise, even if I spend a little bit more money flying, to get there in an hour and a half instead of eight hours and to get home in an hour and a half instead of eight more hours. You know, Look at those little investments in yourself, your longevity, your livelihood as a chance to get better and turn the page on some of these you know, health conditions that are getting in the way of doing a great show. Then lastly here, our seventh thing I want to talk about today is, uh, it's just, uh, this is sort of funny, I guess, compared to some of the other stuff, but I found myself in this conversation with other comics who have done it for a long time, and it's, it's funny because we kind of act like we don't have any skills anymore. But the seventh thing is you've done comedy for so long, that you feel you're not employable <laughs> by anybody. And listen, it's been 25 years since I've worked anything besides comedy and speaking and that kind of stuff. I mean, the, the last job I had before I went full-time was delivering pizza. And I could probably do that now, but that was my last thing in my resume besides comedy. But if we're honest people, if we've really pursued comedy and we've been at it for 10 years, 15, 25, like myself, 35, like some of the folks we've talked on the podcast about – You've got skills. Uh, the job market is still something that's possible. The job market lifestyle won't sound right, getting up 9 to 5. Uh, but maybe staying home instead of hitting the road might sound good to you at that point. But what kind of skills do you have as a comedian after hitting the road so long? You've got, should have, great communication skills. You should be able to find a job where you are the spokesperson, the voice, the front face of an office, some place where you're the one communicating and they can take advantage of your people skills that you've developed dealing with hecklers, club owners, bookers, managers, and other comics that you're sharing the condo with over all these years. You should be an excellent communicator. Uh, you might be a social media whiz, too. You know, if you're, if you're really out there hustling and you're getting, getting your shares, getting your likes, getting your followers, that might be something you could bring to a job. Um, talked to a lady this week who books comedy, and, and she's using some of that skill to try to get work in the uh, – social media office at a couple of uh, big car companies that are here in Nashville. So something that's on the radar now that wasn't there when I first started comedy. We had no social media. Social media was getting around and watching a TV show. That's about as social as it got with us back then, right? Copywriting. If you can write a great joke, you might be able to write a great commercial, great copy for a blog, newspaper, maybe for an advertising company. Uh, marketing, the same thing. If you've marketed yourself enough to be at comedy for a couple of decades, you probably have some skills that would transfer into the job market. And if nothing else, the very least, you probably have some booking skills with travel. You know, you're an expert travel booker and arranger, and those are some things you can maybe look at if you feel like you've been at it so long that you have to keep doing it because you have no other skills. Now, conversely, if you have not applied yourself in the comedy journey, you might be skilled at Grand Theft Auto or Fantasy Football, Minecraft, Mortal Kombat. Maybe you could be a diner and dive bar reviewer or something like that if you've just kind of hung out on the road and lived that lifestyle and not focused on your craft. But there's a few other jobs out there for you uh, if you feel like you can't do anything else anymore. And I think you probably could. So those, again, are just a few of the potentially tough decisions you'll make as you get on this journey for comedy Listen, I know I didn't touch everything, and everybody has different situations, so I would love feedback on this episode from you guys that are listening right now. Right now, as soon as the podcast is over, just hit your uh, email thing on your phone or your computer and shoot me an email at schooloflaughs at gmail.com, 
and let me know a situation that you had to deal with that was tougher than you expected. Let me know how you handled it so we can share that on an upcoming follow-up episode with people that are listening out there. And really let me know your experience. Uh, Everybody's got a different path. These are just some things that popped up on my path, but I'm curious what has potentially obstructed yours in the process. All right, I'm going to tap out here. Thanks again to all of you who are supporting the podcast through Patreon. Uh, it really is inspiring, and it's, it's given me that second win that I was hoping for after 100 podcasts, and I've got an unlimited amount of topics that you guys have been sending in, too. Feel free to do that. Topic that we haven't covered here on the podcast, schooloflast at gmail.com. And again, thanks to the Patreon sponsors. If you want to learn what that is, Visit patreon.com forward slash school of laughs or schooloflaughs.com forward slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.